When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with attheraces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Coming to you earlier than advertised because there's a huge day's racing on Good Friday in the UK and it's all live on Sky Sports Racing, All Weather Championships Day. And to look at it, I'm Emma Kennedy and... Mr. Kevin Blake from At The Races. Hello! Who will be writing a blog on Monday all about... No, it won't be Monday. It won't be Monday. Let's be factually accurate about this now. It'll be Tuesday because it's Easter Monday. And it will be all about the great... Did you think I, did you think I don't work in bank holidays? <laughs> Cop on to yourself, Flake. At least get it's the... racing. Le- bank holidays means more work. At least get quadruple time. <laughs> He'll be writing all about the greatest sprinter that ever lived... George Bone. Oh, yes. George, to be crowned champion and protector of all the realms this Friday. Uh, We will find out a little bit more about that as Kevin will be there to cheer him on. Also, a man who will be there will be Sky Sports Senior Racing Analyst, which means he starts every punditry. It also means that he can overrule anything that Kevin says. It's the Senior Analyst for the Final Forum Podcast as well, Sky Sports Racing's Jamie Lynch. I love you like I never loved before. <laughs> Did you see the Alan Partridge, the Martin Brennan on Alan Partridge? No. No. <laughs> Was this the new one? I did, actually. I did. The Irish guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The reason I'm slightly bringing that up is that anyone who has been aware of Alan Partridge's latest work will be well-versed in the fact that there is a guy who's at a touchscreen. It doesn't always go well, and he sometimes resorts to a northern accent. So it's just a little too close to the bone for me to... Anyone who's mildly aware of my work will be able to identify very much with that. Um, we're going to talk about the Linkfield All-Weather Championships. Yeah. But this is the week <laughs> of the Craven. And Kevin Blake will remember many years ago when he went through the revolving door that is time form. Oh, he, yes. He and I once spent a week together taking in the Newmarket Craven meeting and then on to the Greenham at Newbury. Is that true, Mr. Blake? Uh, we saw some good horses too. We saw some good horses, but we saw some better activities in terms of the breakfast story, which I'm about to tell now. So oh, yes. I was hoping to save this for the autobiography, but seen as there is a cap on one end of the telescope in my career, I'm going to get out in order now. So, Kevin, at Newmarket, time for with pain, so we are bunk beds <laughs> we didn't we, we stopped in this lovely sort of country house hotel the Grange in Newmarket and we met for breakfast the next morning in the lovely dining area now 
the lady came up to take our order and Kevin, having yeah. scanned the menu, said that through gritted teeth, I'll have the full English breakfast, which was fun. <laughs> and then the waitress asked a supplementary question to Kevin, which was, and how would you like your eggs? <laughs> of course, do you want them scrambled, fried, yeah. boiled, poached? And Kevin, an Irishman to his boots. <laughs> do you know what his reply was when the waitress asked? I don't would... remember this. I don't know this story, so I have no clue. His reply to the question, how do you like your eggs, with a panicked face, was, runny? <laughs> Sky Sports Racing, final podcast, Evan Blake, runny? That's the one. I, I don't recall that. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds likely, though. <laughs> It's true, though. I do like your onion. <laughs> Did you have little toasty soldiers as well to dip in them, Kevin? Did you? I didn't. I left, I left the dining room immediately. <laughs> oh, you didn't know him. You just happened to be sitting there. This, this Irish guy sat down beside you and you were like, uh, I don't know this person. And I think we have a new sweeper for the podcast. I'm pretty certain. That we've got a new um, a new final forum podcast sweeper, right? I'm yeah, talking. I, I, I think uh, I think Lynchy had enough and enough of Kevin Blake in his life after that week. I think. <laughs> yeah. How often do you hang out together now, guys? Very rarely. After that, incident, very rarely. It's never been the same. <laughs> Between the bunk beds and the runny egg, sort of our back on each other and gone our separate ways. But oh. we're together for a look at Lingfield and the All Weather Podcast, and I'm broadcasting live from the very belly of the Sky Complex, not just the Sky Racing or the Sky Sports Complex, but the Sky Complex. And as Kevin knows, because he's been here, it's a very environmental area. So, you know, you've got your vessels, there's no paper, no plastics around. And despite that, every single car in the car parks does about a mile to a swimming pool full of petrol, so not quite <laughs> environmentally friendly. <laughs> well, Kevin, yeah. if if Kevin did drive over there, to be fair, your car wouldn't exactly be economically. It's fast and it's bloody nice. It's an Audi A5, and Audi. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, we are available for negotiations and discussions. Um, but I'm sure that that's you know, it's sky like. It's going to be a car park filled with that. It's, it's going to be very few Priuses, really, isn't there? And then I drive my Skoda, and it's like a blackened tooth and a white, white mouthful. Oh God! <laughs> well, you're on the Sky Gravy train now, so all of that's about to change. <laughs> the Sky money hasn't kicked in yet. I'm still on the time form time. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get stuck into the action on Sky Sports Racing, we should probably talk about how the track is riding as we are recording. Uh, controversial times in the all-weather industry, Kevin Blake, as I've seen jockeys walk the track not once but twice at Dundalk. I'm not sure if racing is continuing or not. So let's talk about the tactics at Lingfield. I'm going to give you first go at it because Lynchy will have uh, the first go at every race. So tactics-wise, how are you expecting Lingfield to ride and what are you expecting? What will be the best tactics on the day for the jockeys to be implementing over the various different distances? Um, just in general, the all-weather track at Linkfield is is tricky. It's probably the one of all the all-weather tracks in Britain and Ireland. It's probably the one where tactics are of the most importance. Um, there's ups and there's downs, you know, undulations that that you just don't get on most all-weather tracks. 
and the straight can be short enough um, as we'll talk about you know some of those starts you know, the, the six furlong start stands out the, the bend comes up very quick so draw is a big big factor um, and the surf is an interesting one because uh, at the most recent meeting on the all-weather there, uh, which was last Wednesday, um, Timeform concluded that it was riding slow and the forecast for the coming days is good and warm and the general gist of these things is that when the as the weather gets warmer, all-weather tracks tend to ride a bit deeper um, as the wax on the surface breaks down a little bit. So w- would that be a fair assumption, Lynchy, that it's probably going to ride on the slow side again come Friday? Yeah, I think that's right, Kev. And it is an unusual state of affairs for Linkfield to return a slow surface. We often see it at Kempton, and particularly at Chelmsford, but less uh, frequently at Linkfield. And with the timescale involved and the weather involved, we are going to have a slower surface, certainly than we used to on finals day. Having said that, speed is still at a premium given the topography, configuration of the track. Certainly those horses who can go on the bridle the longest tend to win out at Linkfield. And we often talk about core specialists for horses, but it is a core specialist for jockeys as well. And how many times have we seen Adam Kirby with that Kirby kick on the run to the home turn just win a race at that point? He's been a deadly weapon around that track, to be fair. And it's going to be intriguing because we're going from two miles to seven furlongs to six furlongs. So we're starting off with the marathon distance. Kevin mentioned the stalls positions. So where would you like to be drawn over the various key distances, Lynchy? Obviously, this is the case with any turning track that the shorter the distance, the more importance of a low draw. And because it is a sharp track and a speed favoring track, when you come to six furlongs, which is a little chute that then joins onto the main track, that especially you need to get towards that inside. Having said that, the results themselves on Good Friday, only one uh, winner of the sprint and only one winner of the three-year-old race, likewise over six furlongs, has been from an inside draw. And sometimes on this big day, the competition becomes over-egged and the jockeys become a bit hot-headed and it can play into those who bide their time a bit more. So as a basic rule, yes, it's the basic rule of thumb with any turning track in that the shorter the distance, the increased importance of the draw but it's not the be-all and end-all. And as always, jockeyship is the key factor. And because it's Good Friday, we've got the big jockeys rolling out. Absolutely. Uh, David Nolan, you've got a very low draw on George Bond. Use it, son. Use it. Uh, speaking of big jockeys, Christophe Sumion, the Belgian superstar, makes his way over to Lingfield. I think this is his first time to Lingfield, is it? First, certainly for all of the championships day. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say that it is but possibly not. Uh, so he will be partnering a horse for the body. Yeah, I'm willing to be corrected, basically, because I normally am. Um, he's partnering a horse for the bodies, not Marco, they're cousins. And while they are Italian, they're based in France. Lynchy, am I right? Yeah, you are right indeed. The Italian racing industry is sadly grinding almost to a halt. So the bodies have repacked and removed and headed to France. And in Amod, they've got an unusual horse because this fellow was moping around in claimers at the uh, start of last year over shorter. And the distance has made a huge difference to this horse. And considering that he beat the best of British when he came over to Chelmsford on the back of a Kempton win last time, he really is the odd one out in a positive sense. It's his first time on the track 
Tactics are probably key in that he is such a strong steer. But as we mentioned earlier, the surface likely to be riding slower than usual. That will certainly help his cause. He does stand out, but then again, the bookmakers have got him priced as a standout because he's about five to four now. Yeah. So given the fact that he's trading an industry standard five to four, are you looking elsewhere for a bet in the race, Lynchy? Yeah, I'd just be happy to play elsewhere. Um, bearing in mind that there can be a big discrepancy because it's a two-mile race in the actual finishing time. So in the five years we've had of the marathon, there was 11 seconds difference between the fastest run marathon and the slowest run marathon. And that just goes to show the importance of pace and how pace can influence tactics and can ultimately influence the results. And if they go slow, that will ask a new question of Ahmad as well as bringing others into it. So for that very reason, Linkfield is still a speed favouring track. I'd just be looking at the horses who might be trying this distance, not necessarily for the first time, but new to this distance. Those with a bit of background over shorter and those who pack more of a punch in the finish. And I just look at Sparkplug, a horse who won the Cambridgeshire back in 2016. We've got Verdana Blue involved here. He beat Verdana Blue in a listed race. We all saw A, how speedy she is and B, how good she is when she won the Scottish champion hurdle. And I just think the Sparkplug, if it does turn tactical, then he's going to be really well placed because of that ability to quicken and because of that pace that won him the Cambridgeshire over nine furlongs a few years ago. He was really eye-catching over his first attempt at two miles last time out as well uh, as they stretch him out and tell Mark Wand is a, is a real, real weapon as well. I'll be very much with you there in terms of spark plug. Kevin, for you, is it all about Sunion or are you looking elsewhere too? No, I'm going to take a bit of a view on this um, in terms of the tactics. You watch um, Ahmad there the last couple of days and he's missed a kick twice in, a, in his last two starts he's missed a kick and missed it you know not half missed it he's missed it and he's drawn stall five here he's clearly the one to beat on paper but look all there's, there's a very high class of jockey in this race they'd all be looking at the same form we're looking at and you then look at right what's going to happen on the front end and you've a few that made the pace um, the la- you know last time at least Lord George was one in Great Britain another but they both disappointed for those tactics I suspect they might revert back to, to less forceful tactics and I would expect Stamford Raffles to make the run from stall one um, he's done so in his last two starts and has run very well but you look at the finishing speeds of those races and he went very, he went very steady he went as steady as he was able to get away with. And with everyone looking at Ahmad as the one to beat and the fact that he's missed a kick, I reckon they end up going slow here. I reckon Stamford Raffles um, ends up dictating a steady pace. Ahmad's going to be probably down the inner, having missed a kick with a heap of traffic in front of him. And for all his merits, it'll, that'll just be difficult to overcome. Um, and Stamford Raffles isn't my selection. The one I'm going to go for in the hope that... He sits just outside Stamford Raffles, sits on his shoulder. Um, it's There's no kind of prizes for originality here. It's a horse that doesn't have any great secrets. But in the circumstances that are likely to play out, I'd see, I could see Waters meet running a massive race again in this race. He's hit the frame in the last two times, um, you know, in not dissimilar circumstances to what I suspect might pan out on Friday. And um, they went very steady last year and he booted on and just got nailed close home uh he bounced back to something like his best form last time he's got a great record around this course and distance and um, you'd ideally like him drawn a couple of couple of places to his left he's drawn seven but that should be enough i, I don't think there's going to be a big rush on for the lead here 
and uh, all being well after about a furlong he'll be sitting outside Stanford Raffles cantering along at a, at a very uh, pedestrian pace with poor Allah Ahmad buried at the back uh, having missed the kick and hopefully Waters meet would make a bold out bid from the, from the front end well, Waters Meat and Spark Plug, so are the horses that we're going for against the favourite. Just imagine what that reverse forecast would pay, by the way. <laughs> Putting it in your mind. Uh, as we move on to the second race that we're talking about on the podcast, the third race on the day for Sky Sports Racing, the 2.30, the all-weather Phillies and Mares Championship Condition Stakes. Island of Life is generally 7-2 favourite. Uh, Resma for 5-1, to one, crossing the line 11-2, and Castle Hill Cassie 6-1 to one, alongside Heavenly Holly. Ryan Moore very eye-catching booking that's where I would be drawn Lynchy for you well the trends are quite strong for the Phillies and Mares um, to do with the course and to do with the age group as well so of the five finals we've had for the Phillies and Mares four of them have been won by four-year-olds and that just makes sense doesn't it when you get a horse who later maturing had the three-year-old season and then raised their game at four so that makes all sorts of sense more interesting is the tactics involved so every single winner of the Phillies and Mares has raced in the first or second wave. And obviously that's seven furlong track at Lingfield. It's only a furlong or so until the bend. And I think the positioning is key, even more so over this trip than some of the others. So with those trends in mind, crossing the line, I mean, that strike rate speaks for itself. Five wins from a last seven starts. That tells you of a developing power and her will to win. And it's just a case of a four-year-old who's still up and coming, who's going to race handy, who's in stall three, who's got real a real seven furlong specialist. And the fact that she handles turning tracks so well. I mean, look at her all-weather record. She's brilliant around Chester as well. It's just a simple case for me of crossing the line, ticks the most boxes. And for me, I think that she's going to be well-placed into the straight. Okay, for David Probert and Andrew Balding, 11-2, the Cape Cross Philly. Kevin, for you. And I find myself within you here, um, crossing the line for, for all the reasons I won't repeat them. And um, I don't see piles of pace on paper here and all being well from her draw, she'll be handily placed. And um, look, you, you you watch her last time, and you know she she's just she's just very likable. She tries. She looks quite straightforward. And um, yeah, look, progressive profile in a race, but are not they don't all the progressive profiles. And um, I I thought the the price was pretty fair to be to be honest. Eleven to two, crossing the line. They are both going for her, which means we're all lumping on. We're getting on as quickly as we can. I wonder if there's going to be a final furlong podcast gamble on the day. We'll see. Crossing the line for the team in the uh, Phillies and Mares Championship. Now we move on to the feature race of the day, at least for final furlong podcast listeners, <laughs> because back in nineteen dickety do was it in April, Kevin, on that glorious morning in April. <laughs> Um, was it in April it was in April yeah <laughs> I was thinking a son of dark angel was born uh, found his way to Richard Fahin he's going to win the big sprint of the weekend uh, we just love George Bowen and Kevin will be there to cheer him on uh, Lynchy Catchy obviously sets the standard here for Tom Dascom and Richard Kingsgoat odds on though encrypted uh, with Ryan Moore on board again for Hugo Palmer and then we've got good old Georgie where does George rank for you in, in this in all seriousness like is this because Catchy stumbled here last year. He made a mistake here last year. He came up um, came up short. What's your thought? I'm, I'm very, very keen to take him on, particularly from the wide draw. So, obviously, it's with George. Well, 
Richard Fahey's got a phenomenal record in this race, hasn't he? Because mm. he's won it three times, and on the other two occasions, he was placed. And that's all down to Auburn Star and Kim Barella. But obviously, he knows what an all-weather sprinter looks like. And George Bourne's record on the all-weather is striking, isn't he? He's only had five runs on the all-weather, and he's won two of those, including last time at Kempton. Now, you could say, and Timeform did say, the Kempton just fell perfectly for him because of that strong pace that really teed it up for him. But look at what the cast of characters we've got involved in the sprint. Because Catchy's there and Catchy alone, it's going to be hell for leather from the off. And George Bourne, potentially the setup is similar or the same to Kempton. So that's why you give him a chance. A low draw, a trainer with an excellent record in the race on the back of that Kempton win. And in theory, a race that should set up perfectly for him. Does this mean, Lynchy, that George Bowen is your selection? No. I, <laughs> Damn it! He won't catch Catchy. Is it, <laughs> he, he won't catch And that's where I'm afraid this beautiful drama turns into a comedy because Catchy is... Just, he's too good. Now, here's the thing. You mentioned last year, Emmett. You're right. He fluffed a start. He pressed too soon into the pace in that recovery mid-race. And it still took a Group 1 horse to beat him because, obviously, a subsequent event showed City Light was beating a short napper in the Golden Jubilee and should have won that. He was fighting the wrong battle and was just beating the short head. So... Catchy has had his win tinkered with prior to this season. He's broken not one but two track records in that time. Stall eight is the same stall from which he won the cleave. And I just don't see this horse being beaten. If you try and take Catchy on, it doesn't matter because he can just sit alongside. And if you let him get to the front and get to the rail, then obviously, as we've seen time and again, he's almost impossible to catch. So this is one of those where simplicity is king for me. He's the best horse. He's the fastest horse. And I think that Really, he's a poster boy for the all-weather because even though Wissa Hicken is running today or Friday, Wissa Hicken is just a really good horse who's running on the all-weather. Kachi is a really good all-weather horse. In fact, a really unusual all-weather horse. And when you've got that speed and you've got that agility, that's the reason why he's so good. So it's a simple case, lads. I know he's odds on, but I just can't see him being beaten. Jamie Lynch, unbelievably confident about Kachi. Kevin Blake... Are you feeling as though you're going for runner-up spot? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, in many ways. But you know, I, I think I can go and have an old pick a catchy. I like it. Do it, pick, Kev. As, have as, a go at it, listeners. Him. As the listeners know, <laughs> um, like, look, clearly at his very best, best horse in the race, and um, that's nothing, uh, nothing new about that. But just in terms of me having wonderful dreams of what might go wrong for Catchy. I've, I've managed to find a couple of little things. And as Lynchy alluded to, um, as well as on this day last year, you know, his run prior to that, he just missed the kick a little bit and just made things a bit difficult for himself. You know, he, he can be an absolute bolt from a gun out of the stalls, but not always, not always. And from stall eight, if he misses it a length or, or a length and a half or two lengths, it just makes him have to work that, that extra bit hard. Like if you're not familiar with Linkfield, let's go and watch last year's race and just see how quickly that bend comes up. Um, and from stall eight, he might just have to do a little bit of work. Ideally, if you wanted to get catchy beach, you'd love to see a few bunny rabbits in there now with loads of early pace that might be able to well, cap- you know, capitalize. You, you know this horse better than me, but this is one question, big question I had for you, but Alfredo Arcano, 
from this side looking towards Dundalk, is he fast enough to give Kachi a race through those early furlongs from that inside draw? The, the answer is I don't know. He might be. And I, I, I spoke to Dave this morning, actually. I'm obviously giving him a big rev up that he has to go forward if he wants to have any chance. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, to be fair, he, he's, he's not sure himself if he's fast enough, but... Um, you know they're there to win, try and win the race but he said he'd love to be able to make Catchy work to get the lead um, by pushing forward from the inside so is he fast enough I don't know Look, this is a big step up for Alfredo Alcano to be fair um, from what he's been doing around Dundalk on, under big weights so you know other than him you've um, it would have been grand if, if Asvinder was drawn lower but he's drawn outside Catchy you know the hope might be that he might try and pressure from the outside, but I don't know if he's fast enough for that job. So, look, things look fairly right for Catchy Barra's draw. Um, I suppose one thing, again, just having a pick because I can. Um, he's never raced on, on a slow all-weather surface. Every time he's every time he's raced on it, it's been standard. Um, and he is all speed. And he is a horse that, you know, has got a little bit windy in the very late stages of his races before. Um, but now that he's had his wind tinkered with, funny enough, um, he might be a little bit stronger at the end of his races. But and that's it. Look, if Catchy gets out and gets gets an uncontested lead, geez, he'll take some pegging back. But um, we live in hope. We live in hope. In terms of against him, um, Alfredo Arcano um, is really going the right way for Dave. To be fair, career best last time, but it's a big step up. It's a big step up. You're you're going from. Um, Lily's Prince, I know he was given Lily's Prince, uh, He, you know, the bones of two stone, but you're going from giving two stone to Lily's Prince to racing catchy off-level weights. You know, it's a, it's a different planet, really. And um, he'd need another career best to go close here, I think. Um, in terms of Georgie, if Georgie's to be, to, to run up to his mark here, a little bit like the view I took last time, if he hits the gates reasonably well, which he, which he far from doesn't do always, um, he'd, he'd be in a nice position, I'd say, as the race goes, just just tracking the pace there. Um, and that would give him a good solid chance of, of being in the mix. But he needs to start. If he, if he misses a kick from there, um, it, it won't be a fun time for him, I'd say. But um, there'll be no pressure on George. You know, we'll go and enjoy it, whatever he does. And hopefully he'll run a big one. OK, so to sum up, Jamie Lynch is extremely confident that Catchy's going to win. You're not, and are you then fence-sitting in terms of a bet? Um, you know, I wouldn't mind encrypted. I wouldn't mind encrypted. He's going the right way. Um, excellent record in the all-weather. Uh, zipped around this course and distance last time. Um, wouldn't mind the surface being, being a little bit on the slow side, I'd say. And um, you'd imagine he's been very much trained for this. Um, you know, couldn't get a better draw stall one. He looked to track, I'd imagine. And if there's one like like Georgie, he's rated 106, which is the same as encrypted. But you, you know, as 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 you know, Georgie, to be fair to him, looked probably as good as ever last time. But encrypted has the scope and the potential to be, you know, better than 106. Um, so if I had to put up one against Catchy, and I, I'd nearly be inclined to do it, given the price he is. Um, the race has a, has a you know a decent each way shape to it, so encrypted would would probably be the one for me. Okay, to that's a good idea though. Just just playing sort of playing the race rather than just playing the horse in a sense of trying to envisage a way in which Catchy doesn't win, and that simply is by using the petrol at the wrong time, sort of as what happened last year after that sluggish yeah. start. Yeah, three so, wide, no cover the whole way, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, sort of with that in mind again. 
if they do go fast, and that is the scenario in which Kachi gets beat, then this Stone of Destiny is an interesting outsider. He was fourth in the Commonwealth Cup at 50-1 to last summer. And just he hasn't really had a scenario like that since, in the the sense of a strong pace where he can settle and where he can get buried. And just struck me that for the first time in a long time, Stone of Destiny might have a strong pace which will allow him to shine much as he did at Royal Ascot last year. So certainly in terms of an each way, big swing of the bat, Stone of Destiny makes some appeal. Interesting. All right, so two each way selections in the end and none of them are George Bowen. Stone of Destiny for Lynchy, uh, encrypted as an each way scumbag bet for Kevin Blake uh, for a proper account closer. (laughs) Filled. In the in the five past three, uh, but Lynchy is thinking though that uh, Catchy will take all the beating. I can't wait for George Bond to win. Uh, three forty Lingfield is oh, imagine, the imagine. the three year old all weather championships condition stakes uh, again over the six furlongs, and the French, who of course we see an awful lot on Sky Sports Racing, are back here again. Belgian uh, jockey Mr. Christophe Sumion. Uh, who you were saying to me off air beforehand is going to donate all the prize money he gets, Lynchy, to Notre Dame. Yeah, I don't know if Gerard Mosse is going to do the same, but certainly Christophe Sumion has said that any prize money he wins this week will go straight to Notre Dame, and that led us into a conversation in a rabbit hole. We're not going to go down there again, but of course... <sighs> Pizzicato, who is the horse in question, just sprung to life on the all-weather. He's two from two at Shanti. He won the race last time, the Corinthian Knight won on his way to winning this in 2018. And he's in that really good habit of just nudging up his rating whenever he comes to the track. So Pizzicato, of course, carries some interest, but you sort of go around in circles with this race. The more interesting horses have got brutal draws, and then you sort of bring tactics into it. So I'm not 100% confident about this. Charming Kid has got stall 12. I mean, do we just think the stall 12 is it's the end game for Charming Kid? Or if he brings that July stakes form and if he looked as good in terms of his well-being as much as his form as he did at Dundalk last time, is there any chance that he can overcome that? What do you think, Mr. Soggy uh, and, what, and, what, and what do you do? Do you try and go forward and beat the draw? He's been, he's been seen to go to effect going forward. Or do you just take a pull and see what happens? Mm. it's very tricky for them now he has been a little bit in and out but he's definitely got a lot of class and you know that Richard Fire is going to have him fired up for this day or at least you would think Hmm. Yeah, fired up and perhaps fired out in the race and just try and lay it all out there early on from stall 12 and hope that nothing tries to get the lead and hope that you can rein him back a bit. But again, that's just very easy to say in in theory, but very hard to pull off in practice. I suppose there's a couple that sort of jumped out at me. James Street is interesting that you look at that profile and you think, well, He's had his chances in these sort of races against these sort of horses. But again, we're back to the setup of the race. He's rarely been in a double-figure field. You get the impression that this is going to work out really well for him. And deputises the other one, the William Haggis one. And because it's William Haggis and because it's Good Friday, that in itself means that he is projected forward. You know, the qualification for Lingfield is odd in the sense of you have to run three times, so you you get to come in hot, and that's often the way. Or alternatively, if you win one of the qualifiers, you can put your feet up and just prime and ready yourself over time. And because it's William Haggis, and he's had that four months off, deputise 
he's a dark horse despite having eight races because only two of the races have come at six furlongs and the way he was ending last season strongly suggests and point to him taking another leap forward this so just a couple that, that sort of jumped off the page to me with James Street and Deputise okay. I agree For... I agree with that sentiment ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen it is Sky Sports Racing's finest Vanessa Ryle hello Vanessa hi guys I couldn't have him doing a podcast in the same office as me and not get involved <laughs> Oh, of course not. Of course not. We, look, oh. we would have loved to have had you on the whole way through, but it would have been too much of a distraction between yourself and Lynchy. So we, we agreed that you would just like randomly come in Hurricane Ryle style, as uh, the Blakes just said. So you're with James's Street too. I am, yeah. Show, show your work? <laughs> Re- reasons why? Jamie just looked at me and said, you've never heard of these horses, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of the horses. I promise. I am the Jamie Lynchpin. That's what we call him, the Lynchpin. Yes, the the Lynchpin of Sky Sports reasons. Racing. Yes. He is Sky Sports Racing senior analyst. Analyst. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the one. And um, I'm sure the podcast listeners are getting a full example of why he has that job title. Gold. Gold here. Gold. Absolute gold. Gold, gold in the sand. Um, I'm my my big my big excitement for Good Friday is drum roll please the catchy Wissahickon double. Oh, Jesus Christ. All aboard. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> guys, I'm not even drunk. I'm at work. I'm actually leaving now. I just came. I'm just... <laughs> I actually... that I'm out of control. I'm giving the phone back to Jamie Lynchman. And that is Sky Sports Racing and the Final Furlong Podcast. Vanessa Ryle with uh, oh, an interesting Lord. cameo, to say the least. Uh, so Jesus ca- Christ. <laughs> like a whirlwind into this little room here. You know what I look like now? I look like Hitler after the bomb plot. My hair is stood up on a brush. My claws are in tatters because like a whirlwind with a, with a bottle of vodka in hand, she's just <laughs> abused and abused the podcast. Nine. Oh, we're, nine. we're well used to it. Uh, Kevin Blake, James's Street, a good argument put forward for him and for deputised by Lynchy. Then Ryle came in with her usual stuff. Um, your thoughts, please, sir. I like the two favourites. I like, I like the favourites. I'm going to have Jeeves do multi-account doubles for me. <laughs> Um, my view in this race is I'm just kind of thinking and hoping they'll end up going quick in front Um, you've quiet endeavour with a good draw who often goes forward and now has a set of first time blinkers on him and you have a couple drawn out wide that would normally like to go forward in deep intrigue and charming kid and I'm just going to take a chance that and both riders there will just gun and try and get to the get to the turn in reasonable shape. And if they do, matched up with quite endeavour on the inner, they should end up going an above average pace. And if they do, um, that will play to the strengths of Concierge, I reckon. Um, if he could reproduce what he did um, at Newcastle back in October in not, well what I hope will be similar circumstances in that they went very quick up front and he came from quite a way back and ultimately won very well and put up put up a, a good figure now, you'd have to say. Um, earned himself a rating up near 100. Um, he's gone to Doha since 
and won out there, but then blew out last time. Um, but I, I won't knock him too much for that. And if they go Rapido up front, which I kind of hope they will, and he could be one that's rattling home from the rear and will hopefully get involved. Concierge, who Vanessa Ryle is very familiar with. She just drops her bags in the hotel and goes, Concierge, <laughs> I'm going straight to the cocktail bar. Um, you can't say concierge in anything other than a New York accent. Concierge, <laughs> man. Hey, are you, where's I the said course? New York, not New Delhi. <laughs> <laughs> concierge? Hey, man, where's the concierge? Come on. Uh, I'm walking is that, over is, here. Is that, is that, is that Rich Richie? Bob Baffert? Where's That's Rich, Ward? man. That's Rich. You know Bob Baffert. I mean, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Richie Rich. It's the flat season, baby. It's all about getting back over to my roots. All about the finances, son. You know how we're talking about Wolf of Wall Street stuff. Now get me that concierge. That's what's kind of going on with Rich Richie right now. I would imagine. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what? I think he might win. <laughs> yes, soy. Uh, right. Oh, I've got a. I've got that's, a the, that's the selection, anyway. Yeah, that's a, it's really weird. Concierge. Just got hijacked. Got, uh, Kevin made a perfectly good case there, and he got absolutely hijacked. And I'm so sorry about that. Doesn't happen with Ed Chamberlain and Court, does it? No, I'm not. I'm not sorry at all, though. Um, you know what's going to happen? Oh, this is going to start affecting Alex because Alex listens to the podcast, and she's just going to start shouting at you now uh, on on Friday, Jamie. She'll be she'll be looking at the horse and she'll go, "What do you make a concierge? What do you think, Jamie?" <laughs> <laughs> she, she gets worse. <laughs> poor, poor Alex. Sorry, Alex. Oh dear. Okay. Oh, it's like Mike Yarwood's back. Is that one for the one for the one for the younger list? Is Mike Yarwood? Mike Yarwood was a man. Everyone at home, who, for about twenty-five years, had two impressions up his sleeve, and yet just co- kept on coming back year after year. <laughs> well, basically, what I'm saying is that he was an impressionist who wasn't that great at impressions. <laughs> and I give you, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Emma Kennedy. Come on. <laughs> I, listen, if that guy worked out a 25-year career, happy days. I, I will happily follow in his footsteps. Not a problem. We got that. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicky, oh, yeah. And that's it. And, and on we go. Uh, so, Wizard Hicken, according to the second chief analyst of Sky Sports Racing, Vanessa Ryle, this is, and I quote, a good thing, um, as she said with her Yorkshire accent. Um, <laughs> 4 to 11. God. What have I walked into here? I used to be respected man of time for, and I thought I was moving up in the world with Sky Sports yeah. Racing senior analyst, which I think was a typo. I think they meant South American racing. It was senior analyst. Because, because the contract went in, it had to be honoured. And yet here I am. Here I am, wandered into an absolute maelstrom, and I don't know what's going on exactly. I'm just so thankful that we've only got two races left to talk about. <laughs> well, with that in mind, the senor will we say he can be rapido and just be underlay, underlay, too much, senor. Oh man, does he win, Jamie? Does he win? Yeah, the, 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 if he'd have got beat, it would have been in that trial where he ran up behind his stablemate call house and Big Country kept him in and they did their best to get him beat. And he was in a terrible position for Linkfield. He had a furlong, only a furlong, to extricate himself, switch around, regather momentum, and he did that on the bridle. So he's a very, very unusual horse. He is 
probably, possibly the best horse to run frequently on the all weather. And he's certainly the most important because I get the sense that it's only in three or four months' time that we'll really appreciate with Hicken and his all-weather work will really be appreciated by everyone because we've been here before with the classic. The power players normally strut their stuff and flex their muscles. It's a race for the favourites. It's a race for the winter derby winners. But no, no horse previously, no previous classic winner has gone on and almost shone a reflective light on the all-weather by doing it on the turf. Well, I think that Wissa Hicken is the one to break that mould, and it's just a very simple case of he's older, he's wiser, uh, he's more mentally tuned in now as well, so he doesn't do silly things like he used to in his younger days, and Dottori can put him anywhere in the race he wants, which probably is needed because Stahl, 8 of 8, just presents that minor complication for Frankie as to whether to move up early or take back, but because he's got so much pounds to play with and because he's glided around here in the past it's just very hard to look past him won the Cambridge back in September he's been campaigned on the all weather since with a view to this this is a really nice piece of placing from John Garston like this is a £200,000 race this will be some way to kick off the season with them if they if they can land the odds and and Lynchy have you heard I assume they're, this horse will go to America at some stage will he? He's a tapper, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah with Not many tappers in Europe. No. Yeah. Joseph had one this year and he was stone useless. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kevin, they're not the all. The best have been dirt performers, have There's very few. <laughs> the yeah. best tappers have been on dirt so far. Frosted, people probably remember that big Godolphin horse who was favourite for a World Cup in Dubai one year, but generally tapper is seen as a as a dirt sire. Just want, is there any chance of them making this Wissahickon into a stallion? I mean, is that... Is that marketable as a son of Tappet who's capable of winning Group 2s and Group 1s if he gets that far? I think so. He's done, he's done it on the turf. He'd be something a bit interesting. If he could go and win a, a proper group race on the turf, he'd definitely get a job. Mm. Yeah. Um, just just for being a little bit different. Sure, Tappet, like, is a 300 grand sire. Like, you know, he's, he's, a, yeah. he's, a, he's a big deal out, out in the States. So he, and look, and where's the hick? And geez, you'd ha- oh, geez, I'd send the mare to him if I could afford him. Geez, you'd, you'd absolutely love him just as a racehorse, the way he goes. Um, he's got a beautiful movement and he, he sticks his head down, and you, you just love him. You, if you knew nothing about anything, what, what was what, and you put a hundred horses running down the middle of a track, I wish a hicken that would be the one that would, would catch my eye every time just because of the way he goes. And, you know, what he did in the Cambridgeshire last year was really impressive, I thought, because he, he was never really on the bridle. Um, and he's worked his way into it and gone away and, and, and bolted up in the end off a mark of 107. Like, I suspect he's probably going to be a Group 1 horse, um, given the right circumstances. And, you know, he clearly should win here. Um, the fact that Courthouse is in there might just make things easier for him, because like Lynchy says, from stall eight, um if Courthouse wasn't in there, I might look at this and say, oh, geez, Matterhorn might get a very soft lead here on, on the front end. And uh, Wissa Hicken might get strung out a bit wide and it might get a bit tricky for him. But with Courthouse in there, you'd imagine, and of course I could be totally wrong, but you'd imagine representing the same trainer as Wissa Hicken that um, as he has in the past, he'll go against Wissa Hicken, he'll go forward and make the run. He didn't do so last time after missing the kick, but I, I I don't think that was the plan. So as long as he hits the gates running here, he'll be making the run and, and keeping Matterhorn honest. And that should hopefully space out the field sufficiently for Wissahickon to get to get a slot. 
And um, yeah, uh, hopefully he'll put up a big performance because he he's looked an absolute weapon. To be fair, yeah, he really has. Kevin is 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 um is Courthouse the Kennedy to your Wissa Hicken? <laughs> you know, teammates who hunt in pairs. <laughs> Really good in his own right, really effective on certain days, but just can't quite match the ongoing trajectory that Wissa Hicken's got. Is that, is that any sort of yeah, simile? That, <laughs> well, if, if you're asking me, will he make the running for him? I think he will. <laughs> Thanks a bunch, Lynchy. Thanks a bunch. He's an unusual horse, though, Wissa Hicken. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of, like, um, like you know when a Hollywood A-lister goes and does a TV series and that, I know that's becoming more and more common but you know Colin Farrell Killian Murphy that is it's just unusual to see this movie star in like a TV series and that's the sort of feeling I get with Wissa Hicken in the sense of you know this is a proper headline act and he's having an extended sequence on the all weather A to sort of get his experience and get him attuned for some really big days ahead you suspect but also just to to educate him and to, to put all the edges in place so that he can have a, you know, a big future and a big turf season as well. Mm. Uh, Jamie, are you watching Game of Thrones? I'm not really a Game of Throner. Oh, for goodness sakes. Season 8, Episode 2, Sunday night, 2 a.m. You have to watch it then. <laughs> you, just, you just have to because there's too many bloody spoilers. God, what a great show. Um, right, so we're just saying there's no E-Trail alternative in here for you, Lynch, is there? No, I wouldn't mess around with each real alternatives. Yeah, yeah, no Just do the Wizard Hick and catch you double. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ryle. Oh, great to have another and uh, another cameo. I'll, I'll tell you what, here, lads. Uh, because we're running about an hour late, I'm just going to have to leave you here for three minutes and run out and bring in a mare and fall out of a field. I'll be back in three minutes. In that case, <laughs> the sun, then some some down waits for no one. In that case, more then, stories Lynchy. from Newmarket and Newbury. Then yes, so uh, the early I'll, days I'll of Blake. I'll be back in three minutes enjoy yourselves <laughs> the early days of Blake anything else there that you can tell us from the uh, the old time form days um, there's not that much to tell really ah well in that he case he was one that got out early in that case then he was the, <laughs> he was the one who got out early oh Prayers for Dan Barber, please. Um, Dan's terrific, by the way. Uh, can you... So if you're not watching Game of Thrones, which, by the way, I'm disgusted at, because I, I really think you would like that. I, I genuinely think you would love Game of Thrones. <laughs> what are you actually watching? What am I watching? Uh, Line of Duty. I'm a you're, big Line of Duty yes. one. Yes. Are you up to date? Yes. Yeah. Bang up to date. I knew. I, I bloody... No spoilers whatsoever. I knew that guy was going to make a comeback in season... Five. I knew he was coming back. Um, we just we'll leave it at that. Uh, as brief a cameo as it was, it's just fabulous. It's so well written. It's so intricate. I love the fact that it goes all the way back to season one. Like you really have to have watched each season. If you haven't, you're kind of you're, you're going to be floating without a paddle to a certain extent, <laughs> um, treading water. But it's just it's just fantastic. Like us now. <laughs> <laughs> Play along, Richie. Play along. So with line of okay, so line of duty, fantastic show, right? You're watching that. What else? What else is on the Jamie Lynch uh, box set list? Well, you see, I'm going to disappoint you, but not surprise many people who know my work because I've got this reputation as something of a geek, which I know is going to astound you and some people. But in that. fairness, I am a bit of a Star Wars kind of guy, and I'll tell you something else. You are bang wrong. 
with your interpretation, misinterpretation of The Last Jedi. You didn't like it, did you? Oh, I hated it. I hated it. It was... It's everything that's wrong with that bloody director, Rian Johnson. Rian Johnson had an entire script. He had an entire setup that was all played there by J.J. Abrams. And he went, no, I'm not using this. I'm going off and doing my own thing because I'm Rian Johnson. And I've been told I've got full carte blanche. So I'm going to rip up the romance between uh, Ray and uh, let's not mention too many names. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to completely throw that out, and I'm going to blow up the uh, the relationship as well between Kylo Ren and Rey too. Oh yeah, by the way, you, you got no parents. They were nobodies. What the hell? J.J. Abrams has to come back in and mop up that hurricane of piss that he left behind and clean it up so that it's actually a good film in December. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd find something to light you up. Who knew it would turn out to be Rian Johnson? Oh, he's terrible. I just hate him. I just, I really dislike him. You think him. he overthought it? I think he thought, great, I've got a contract that says I've got carte blanche because I made Looper, yeah. which is not even that good. It's got one great scene in it, and that's it. Um, and that's, the, and that's the, the cafe scene between Bruce Willis and... Um, your man. Hastings. It's Hastings, yeah. Hastings. Between between him and H. And that's it. How's your tea fella? <laughs> but you mother of God. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah, I, I no, I don't like him. I just don't like him as a director. And and look some people, because I spoke about that on Twitter and a lot of people were like, Whoa, how dare you speak so badly about the film? But Disney to take the the action that they've taken for like, you're not going to have J.J. Abrams just suddenly parachute back in to go on course correct unless they go, all right. Because there was a different director who was going to do episode nine and J.J. has parachuted back in. So I just hated what he did with it. I hated what he did with, like, you've got this opportunity to bring back um, an, like, another iconic character and he brings him back and he's completely alien to the character that we knew in the first three films it's it's none of it made any sense it just was completely all over the place hated it you liked it then so what was the reason why you liked it no it was just i was i was happy with his take on it because it was like natural character development wasn't it i just quite liked the idea of the idea of growing old rather than growing up that was a big thing and the passing of the knowledge and the baton to the new generations. I just sort of, yeah, I, I did I did very much go with it, but you have to go with it. It didn't land with some people. I completely get that. But have you seen the trailer for episode nine? Did you see that that was released last week? I haven't. So I'm one of these people who tends to stay away from um, from trailers. Preview shows. And, and <laughs> preview shows, different story. So for, for example, right, Game of Thrones is coming back. So, so like, I didn't watch any of the trailers for Game of Thrones season eight, right? Didn't watch any of them. We're heading into episode two. But what I did was once episode one was had landed and I'd watched it, I there was a lot of comparisons that I was able to put there. So this was to the day, to the date, when the pilot first aired of Game of Thrones, 
They went right oh, back. Talking about Game of Thrones. Oh, we've had Jesus a, Christ! We, this is, I haven't said a word since you left. We've had a big, Not big a rant. Phoneme, sir. Not a syllable. Yeah. And it's been Game of Thrones for the last three minutes forty-eight <laughs> oh, seconds because I've timed it and I've recorded it. All he had to do was say Star Wars Episode Eight, and I just flipped my lid. <laughs> Lost it completely. I, was, I, wasn't I know which buttons to press. Three minutes. Say again? Uh, I wasn't too bad with my estimate of three minutes. Yeah, so. you were pretty accurate, to be fair. Lynch, you see, we, we have a game with Kendi. If Kendi says 10 minutes... Oh, it's like uh, half an hour. I'll put a spread on it. 10 minutes now would de- <laughs> definitely be 20. And yeah. more, 25 or 30. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking. But you were the pleasantly other, the surprised. Other, the, other day we, the other day, we had a two minutes... Uh, with poor old Rixie waiting on the line I set the spread at 8 minutes it came in at 10 so it wasn't too bad but yeah that, that's what I deal with now uh, you weren't uh, you were pleasantly surprised though because I, I called you at bang on 6 today it just yeah, worked yeah, out that fair, uh, yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately due to um, errors in Sky Sports <laughs> Racing we'll blame Vanessa Ryle <laughs> uh, the guest the guest held us up but uh, that's that's all Vanessa Ryle's fault entirely um, right. I will just say that if lucky, you we're on to lucky last are we? we're on to lucky last if you watch episode 1 of Game of Thrones season 1 and you watch episode 1 season 8 the comparisons and the familiarities they're all, it's all so well Jesus done and it all Christ. comes full circle so watch it watch it watch it watch it right speaking of great films Kaiser Soze my hey. will to live has just left the room I'm just going to go and catch it up I'm sorry <laughs> Sky Sports uh, Racing's Jimmy Lynch there. Um, see, as soon as as soon as I see Yeah, out, exactly, yeah. Not movie times, not film making Sky Atlantics. <laughs> Big show, Game of Thrones, which continues. Uh, Kaiser Soze. Oh so, yeah, sorry, yes. Cross branding. Producer D has just arrived in with a with a, a bun for me. This is nice. Wait yeah. now, is it a bun or, or an go. Easter egg? So uh, what's that? What are we doing here? So Kaiser Soze heads the betting at four to one. He's been well, well <laughs> on, on the podcast or in life in general? Oh, who knows at this stage. <laughs> Jamie Lynch, for you, is Kaiser Soze the right favourite for the lucky last, the 4.45 on All Weather Championship Day? Uh, no, not for me. Um, he's an atypical Linkfield horse, even though he's, he's won twice here because he sits out the back and he burrows his way through in the straight. Now, he's done that twice, and he's done that really impressively, but it's going to be much harder to pull off those tactics, which he seemingly needs against this better collection of horses um, on this bigger and better day. So the tactics that have served him well, surprisingly so, are going to be much harder for Kaiser Soze in this spot. I really like one here. I really like the French Arriviste Indico. Yeah, I just, I mean, the thing about Ahmad in the marathon is that distance made the difference to him. The all weather has made a huge difference to Indico. I was looking at his time form figures since he stepped on to the artificial services. He's gone from 86 to 110 and he's still getting better. And his last run of Shanti, he split Bayoun and Graphite. And I'm pretty sure that if either of those were qualified, they would be clear favourite, not just favourite, but clear favourite for this. So he's got 
the exact right skill set. He's got a good draw and he is up and coming, which you don't often get because obviously the terms and conditions of these races and the qualification, you don't get many up and comers, but Indico is exactly that. So he was probably my strongest bet on the whole card, Indico. Oh, I'm liking it. 13 to 2, at least you can get about Indico, the Rio de la Plata. Uh, so Indico is the, the main play. It sounds like we're going out and going out big in the lucky last with Jamie Lynch. So, Kevin Blake, are you going to endorse this selection or take him on? I'm still not fully decided on this race now. I'm kind of, I was kind of working on it by the time we got to the start of the podcast. But what, what, the, what I had drawn at this stage was that I, I think the gallop is going to be good here. I think we have a few solid candidates to go forward here from, from low enough draws. And I could see Indico slotting in behind them. So I... I could see the race working out for him. He's definitely on the short, short list, and he's probably there with a horse called Documenting. I think those are the two I have it down to at the minute. And the thought with Documenting is he's never run. Um, sorry, that's a lie. He has run over a mile, but not for an awful long time. Um, he's primarily been seen over six and seven since he's moved to Kevin Frost. And his level of form is good enough, I think. Um, the, the trip is just the question mark, but given well in the hope that this race goes the way i think it will in that they go a right gallop um i think that'll very much help him get the trip because he can be quite free going and if he's going to get the mile um he needs just to set a little bit and a real strong pace would help him get that he's drawn one so he'll be buried there in behind the leaders and i could see him running very well so it's down to those two i need to hammer it down i need to watch some more indico videos hot off the presses from france and uh, I'll have have a decision made a little bit later. <laughs> okay, so completely fitty, sitting on the fence, which means Jamie, we are going with you. Well, I, well, I have it down to two. <laughs> <sighs> going with you, Jamie, and Indico thirteen to two uh, is the best price currently available at the French Raider. Kevin, what's your best bet on the day? Oh, you caught me on the. Uh, come on, what was um, the chances? I would ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always so unexpected. <laughs> Um, go to Lynchy first and I'll have a few then. well Lynchy's <laughs> going to go with Indico so Lynchy what's your next oh, best oh Jesus um, do you have a next best Lynchy this has unraveled spectacularly in the last 15 minutes it was actually going quite professionally and then Kevin fucked off somewhere you started talking about Game of Thrones for 10 minutes and Kevin seemed surprised that he's been asked what he fancied on the day yeah. shocked it's the it's yeah. the preview this is, of... this is a regular the, the last point is actually quite a surprisingly regular theme yeah Kevin surprise. Kevin what's your what's your best bet oh for Cheltenham day one Jesus. <laughs> oh. I tell you who Kevin likes, and I do agree with him about the setup, is Concioge. No, that is, that is a really interesting one. <laughs> it's true that. No, it's true. It is an interesting one. Yeah, like I, I'm kind of like fishy fishy mostly at kind of slightly bigger prices, but you know, none of them are really lepping at me. Right, if you. Just because it's such a, a filthy bet that it's probably the most likely Come one off. to yield a profit of some sort. It's probably encrypted in the sprint final. All right. Uh, pure scumbag each way. Neil Channing, get Account your band. Closer. Account oh, yes. closer. Make sure it's your friends who are placing this bet for you and not actually you. <laughs> Disgusting if you're, if you're thievery. Re- you have to win. Each way scumbag, you probably don't have friends. Well... 
that's true. That's in thievery which... of the highest order. If, yeah. you, if you go into a betting shop to place that, or even if you're online, you have to wear a mask. Oh, yeah. As, as you are either clicking OK or you're at the counter. You have to wear a mask. Such you, is you gotta the go around. thievery. you got to go around like balaclava, man. Boom! And on that bombshell, we're done. Um, thank you very, very much for tuning in. Hopefully you liked it. And a very happy Easter to all of you. Lynchy, happy Easter, my friend. Hopefully it'll be a, a great one for you. And remember, when you think of Easter, you think of eggs. And the next time you are asked how you would like your egg, there is one answer and one answer only. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is runny. Are you sure he didn't make that up? I don't recall that. Oh, there's no. That's becoming a sweeper, my friend. I'm telling you, that's becoming a sweep. Somebody, How how, how many years ago was that, Lynchy? What year was that? Was that 2007? That That was 2015. Would that sound right? It was either seven that or seven. Does or sound right? Yeah, I think it was seven. What was the Abdullah horse that won the? Um, um, that won the. Was it twice over? Won the Greenham? That, does that sound right? No. Oh God, I have to think there was, about there that. Was now. A, there was a big, big, big Abdullah horse that won. Uh, that won the Greenham, I think. So let me just double check this. That'd be a great call. If Welcome back right. to Nostalgia Hour here on the Final Forum Podcast. Oh, oh there we go, Lynchy. Twice what, over beat Ra- Ravens pass in the Craven. Whoa. Oh, that was a Craven. That's when Cravens were Cravens, weren't they? <laughs> that was a proper race. Yeah, there we go. 2008. Oh, Lord, time flies. Do you happen to remember uh, the great <laughs> Alistair Down interviewing Aidan O'Brien on Channel 4 Racing, Guinea's Day, Kev? Do you remember? Or were you no. there? Maybe you were there. So I don't know. I have no idea what had gotten into Alistair Down, but there was something irking him with Aiden. I don't know what it was, but something was just... There was a bee in his bonnet, right, for some strange reason. And O'Brien had Henry the Navigator running in the guineas, and uh, there would have been... Uh, there would have been... Get to the point, get to the point. Was it Dawn Approach? Dawn Approach, yeah. Dawn Approach was... was Or New Approach. New Approach is running in the, in the Guineas for Jim Bulger. That's what it was. And he interviewed him beforehand in the most patronizing way. And it wasn't long after he'd written that article where, he, where Aiden had eight horses declared for the Derby. And he said, you know, Aiden O'Brien would probably be better off going back to the days of just looking at Isterbrack in his stable cam. As he ended an article like that. It's a real scathing indictment of, of Aiden O'Brien. And he interviews him, he says... Well, you know, and it's uh, it's grand for you to be here, really, in the Guineas with uh, no pressure on your back. You know, you don't have to be talking about the winner. And then he had to go and interview him about winning the Guineas with Henry the Navigator, which was just priceless. Which which Aiden, of course, does with great grace and dignity, and you know, conducts himself quite well. <laughs> but he was like, you know, it's nice to be here. You know, kind of like a day off for you, really, isn't it? It's just a day at the races. Uh, 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 hold on now, Lynchy. Here's one for you now. Later that day at Newmarket. There was a 10 <laughs> furlong, three-year-old only handicap. What what a result this was now. Bronze cannon off a mark of 84 beat Ooh. Dr. Freemantle off a mark of 84. <laughs> That's when new market handicaps, when new, new market, market handicaps. handicaps. When Stoney and Gosden are looking at each other, not blinking in the market, both thinking, both knowing they've got group horses <laughs> of 85. Good lads. Jesus. Bronze cannon ends up rated, what, Jesus Christ, 100 and what? 110, 12, 4? Yeah. Uh, 120. Yeah, and the Fremantle ran in. The Fremantle was up, up around there as well. Definitely Up was. 84. Oh, Jesus. You'd be. They backed, they backed Dr. 
their free mantle into 11 to 8 they probably thought they were buying it and gosling yeah. oh, rolling the big dice <laughs> 8 to 1 boom Johnny G <laughs> well no he wasn't rolling the big dice here to be fair he's running and not yeah, but you wouldn't know though. It might have been like a, a telephone Barney Curley box job, of course. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, man. Uh, and that is that. That is uh, Jamie Lynch's debut on the Final Forum podcast. He didn't know what you're in for, and there you go, my friend. Uh, uh, from me, Courthouse, to the Wizard Hicken of the show, Kevin Blake. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck with Georgie Bowen, Kev. Cheers! Oh, and Midnight Oasis is about to pop, so so George might have a little brother or sister by the time he runs on Friday. All being well. Oh, fantastic! Excellent news! Excellent news! Hopefully that horse will make at least one point one million at the sales. Yeah, we'll buy, hey, buy Star Spangled Banner! Oh, you never know. Hey, it could happen. Big amount of money paid for a Star Spangled Banner today, as we're recording. Right, that's it, Jamie Lynch. Thanks so much. You can see Jamie and Alex Hammond and all the Sky Sports Racing crew in every single race. Uh, on Good Friday from All Weather Championships Day at Linkfield on Sky Sports Racing in glorious HD. Miss it, watch it back a little bit later on. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. Kevin, I'll chat to you on Tuesday when we return to review all the weekend's racing. And uh, yeah, thanks very much. Balaclava Man, Sunday night, Line of Duty. Talk to you then. God bless. Bye-bye. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, Expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.